0: Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not
1: the same old thing. Different. Different. This
0: is NOCO FM. Better healing faster. It sounds like a miracle, but through the advances in psychotherapy and the team approach... What might have taken months may now actually take less than a couple of hours. Have you ever wondered what happened behind the closed doors in a therapist office? This week, we allow you to be a fly on the wall to witness the mechanics of healing with Dr. Matthew May. Dr. May is board certified by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology and is an adjunct clinical faculty member in the Department of Psychiatry at Stanford's Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. Dr. May received his medical training at the Stanford School of Medicine and completed specialty training in psychiatry at Stanford's Department of Psychiatry. He now focuses on practicing, teaching, and supervising psychotherapy. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James.
2: Really excited to be, be on The Spark with you.
0: Thank you. Great to have you here. I have to tell you, I was looking up your website and looking up your information. I just was blown away with your experience and your degrees.
2: Oh, that's kind of you. <laughs> Very good. Well, it's, it's great to rub elbows with you and get get to know you better. And so David, he's, he's been just a, an amazing mentor to me and so generous and taught, taught me about really useful information, both to me personally and to my patients.
0: Clinically, I'm curious also, Matt, in, in your journey, um, as I was reading in your your bio, you talked a little bit about, I mean, I saw your degree in chemistry and biology, and then you went to Stanford and got Degree in psychiatry, and then I I was looking at this in 1996. You were the valedictorian of your class. Yeah, impressive. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Like, how did you get here to now? You're you're a professor at Stanford.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Of course, when I was starting starting out, I was quite idealistic and just wanted an education where I could contribute in some way. I thought there's a lot to be done, and I wanted to help the world in some way. When I was growing up, we had a cattle farm. And so one of the things that was most rewarding to me was to be playing some role in that industry where I was of some use. And even when I was about five or six, I would be rolling hay bales together to make it easier for them to pick them up on on the, the pickup truck. And so I think I developed a positive work ethic early on. And then in college, I wanted just wanted to do something that that would give me that sense of accomplishment and meaning in my life, and science seemed to me like the answer. I thought, oh, if we could just, if technology could stay stay ahead of our uh, suffering, then, then we could just build a better world. And um, I liked all of the sciences: physics, chemistry, biology. And I chose to study uh, chemistry and biology. And for a while, I wasn't sure after that what I wanted to do with those degrees. And I had some good influences in my life. Thought, well, maybe go ahead and, if you're not sure what you want to do exactly, you could go to medical school and train, and, and there would be a lot you could could do with a medical degree, and and so that's what I did, and and that's where I met David Burns, and kind of the rest is history.
0: So how long have you been there at Stanford? How long has that been?
2: I came here in 97 after graduating from Haverford College and uh, did my medical training and uh, my psychiatry residency here at Stanford and been on the adjunct faculty ever since I graduated. Yeah, meeting David was a major event in my life feel very fortunate that, that I ran into him. Who knows where I might be uh, without that positive influence in my life. One story I tell frequently is that, you know, he was gracious enough to allow me into his training group, uh, even though I wasn't a resident. And one, one day I was, I was still completing my basic training sort of as a, as a physician, which included uh, being in the hospital overnight on call and delivering babies and, and this, this kind of thing. And uh, I'd had a particularly rough night and uh, had witnessed something quite disturbing to me on, on the way out of the hospital. And when I went to meet with him for the, the, the weekly seminar he was running in training group, nobody was there. All the other residents were taking uh, their exam. And he said, well, we don't have to meet because no one's here, but if, if, if you did want to meet, Night would be a good night if you wanted to work on something personal, to do some personal work. And I was feeling so awful, having witnessed this kind of disturbing event, that I really wanted to work through that. And he helped me in a matter of just a couple of hours feel completely better about it. And I was shocked. I said, "Okay, that's what I want to do for a living. That's so meaningful and so rewarding." And that, that is that awesome. Was, yeah, that's a big part of why I chose to stay at, stay at Stanford and to continue training with him and practice and and train others in what he calls team therapy.
0: Yeah. So you actually, you had this major life event where you saw, you know, the the practicality and, you know, were able to utilize that approach in your own experience. And it sounds like it was transformative. And that inspired you then to become truly involved in this
2: approach. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I think had I not had that personal experience with it, I'm not sure I would have, believed it was possible to rapidly go from feeling as bad as I felt uh, to feeling complete relief uh, from those symptoms. And so I not only feel grateful to him, but I also think it was an experience I had to have to feel confident in, uh, in investing the amount of time and energy it took to learn those skills.
0: Well, and it's exciting to me when I hear about that because I'm a psychotherapist myself and I get, you know, excited thinking about being able to help people and, like you said, bring relief in such a short amount of time.
2: Right, right. Yeah, that, that, that's exciting when that when that happens. It, it began to happen so frequently in our meetings that we would almost be disappointed or something. We think, well, what went wrong if, if someone isn't feeling radically better at the end of two hours or so? And, and that's just mind-blowing that it's so much different from a model of treating depression where you would wait you know, six to eight weeks before expecting any kind of response from an antidepressant.
0: So have, have you moved from a medical model yourself to more of this team approach?
2: Almost entirely, yeah. I still believe that medications serve a very important function in, in many cases, that especially if you're thinking about schizophrenia or, or bipolar disorder, medications are frequently necessary. At the same time for depression or anxiety, the team model is so much so vastly superior, so much more rapidly effective that I, I tend not to bother prescribing antidepressants.
0: Wow. And and so give it a period of time to do this, to do the team therapy before you would even think about maybe prescribing medication.
2: Yeah, normally I, I, and I just kind of focus on doing the team, the therapy itself. So, and that's been such a joy and so effective for so many people. I, I, I really am focused on that at this point in my career. Wonderful.
0: Well, well can you share a case example? Is there, you know, uh, someone that you worked with where you saw this kind of transformation that you could share with us that came in and had some kind of presenting issue and then how you saw them change and get relief through this process?
2: Uh, sure, yeah. And this was fairly early in, in my uh, career, and a wonderful young woman came from out of state to work with me. And She was quite depressed and quite anxious, and, and um, one of the things that was kind of plaguing her was that she, she was certain uh, that she was undesirable, and you know, no one would be interested in her, and she felt quite inadequate. And, defective. Her self-esteem was at like the lowest possible number and then she was just horribly socially phobic, so anxious to talk to anybody or or to be out in public at all. And uh, we had ten hours time scheduled here and we just worked two hours per day. And I could really relate to her quite a bit because I, I have a you know social anxiety is something that I experience as well and um so it was very easy to empathize with her and understand what it was like for her to feel kind of alone and lonely and then hopeless about being able to connect with anybody and really terrible about herself just horrible self-esteem and uh in those 10 hours she completely turned around it was like literally you wouldn't have recognized her she had on the first day we met she she her body she had very poor posture she was wearing this big baggy sweater she wasn't making any eye contact she was absolutely petrified of even going out in public at all and by the end of our time together she, she her posture was better and she had all this confidence she went in and, and she even asked the guy out on a date and uh, he he went out with her and uh she was totally unafraid to do kind of wacky stuff in public We did all the shame attacking work and uh it was wonderful trans- transformation, and, and uh, she she was really excited about it. And I, I spoke to her a couple of years ago, and she allowed me to, she allowed me to kind of take her story and write it up. And uh, so I, I feel like I can I can share that story with you.
0: Thank you for sharing that. When you see people get that kind of relief and see them be able to take hold of their lives and live their best life, you know that that's why we do what we do.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, obviously, we're not in it for the money and but to see people go from feeling depressed, feeling really joyful and happy, feeling you know, terrified and scared to feeling confident, playful, those kinds of transformations are still magic. What a joy. And one of the methods, David, I think you're having been in the group with him, you're quite aware one of the methods he is using these days that's responsible for really rapid recovery is noticing the positive qualities that that are reflected in our our negative thinking and so like if someone is socially anxious they're frequently if they have that that feeling of anxiety in public they're frequently thinking oh people are scrutinizing me or other people would judge me there's a sense of concern about you know how they're coming across and this this kind of thing and i think often we we can see we can see great beauty in that, that concern and their desire to connect with others um they're you know they're, they're wanting those connections, just an important part, an important facet of who we are as human beings. If we didn't want that at all, if we were completely unconcerned about others' feelings and, and weren't interested in their expectations of us, it, like we, we wouldn't quite fit into society, right? And yeah. so the social, yeah. the, this, what we call social anxiety, that label is, can be hurtful, and we wanna understand, understand the human being who's experiencing it.
0: Exactly, the human being behind the label. And that's one of the ways we can, you know, through like you were saying, through empathy and compassion, that's one of the ways we can get to who's behind those eyes and that it's not just a label.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And then maybe even beyond that, the idea that we're not treating social phobia, we're not treating depression, we're not treating addiction, we're, we're treating a human being.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things that struck me as I was looking on your website, Matt, one of the things that really caught my eye was you had a section that was just for therapists that you do supervision, because you you talked about the importance for therapists to understand that sometimes they do have empathetic failures.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: And and can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's that's such an important piece, because... You know, as therapists, we think, oh, well, I'm so empathetic and I'm so compassionate. And I really get it. But sometimes even we miss the mark and that and that it's OK that it can be actually a huge growth opportunity for us as therapists.
2: Right. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, there are a couple of topics we could expand on here a little bit. Um, one is, I think, anytime we're getting close to another person and the interaction is a meaningful one, it's kind of like dancing closely, inevitably we're all imperfect and we'll do something or we'll say something that will hurt that other person will step on their toes. And it would be a bit narcissistic to imagine that we could do a perfect job of communicating. I I don't think at any point anyone ever achieves that. Uh, I know I'm still improving my communication skills. And and, and that's so important to the outcome of therapy, the closeness of the connection, the rapport, what what they call the therapeutic alliance. It really does uh, predict the outcome of therapy to a great extent and and so uh in the type of therapy I, that that I do developed by David Burns the team therapy we're always testing we're always um trying to be agnostic to whether how we're doing in the therapy and really sort of seeking out that feedback from from every patient in every session and allowing them to give us that grade to tell us how are we doing connecting with them how are we doing at listening and understanding them and respecting them and so when when we do fail we have that data we can look at it and know and repair any breach in the alliance before it becomes a serious problem and um and and then in this model too we, we we train intensively on on how to be empathic and um and we it's absolutely true. We can think we're being highly empathic, but be totally missing the mark. And, and beauty is really in the eye of the beholder. And so, and the customer really always is right in this scenario. I do a lot of training for therapists, and I think people who go into this field they're highly motivated to be helpful and supportive, and they really want to alleviate the suffering of others. And at the same time, that that can actually those motivations can be somewhat uh, detrimental <laughs> in empathy in the empathy phase of therapy, because good, good empathy doesn't involve any cheering up or helping or fixing, but the, the really good empathy, it's just about understanding and being able to name that individual's feelings and their thoughts accurately without trying to change them or, or fix it, that any effort to help or cheer up actually creates a distance. And, and so when we're offering empathy, we're offering what are called the five secrets of effective communication. And so we're seeing what's true. We're seeing this other person's truth. We're acknowledging their thoughts and their feelings. We're asking gentle, probing questions. And we're seeing what's wonderful about this human being, genuinely wonderful about them. And also being vulnerable with our own feelings, and being real with them. If we're doing that well, we tend to get high marks on feedback our empathy and at the same time there's always room room for improvement and one thing that's interesting is when when those failures occur at the empathy level if we pick up on them and we notice in the feedback oh i I failed you i let you down in the last session i didn't do a good job of listening what was that like for you that often that is the best session that that ever happens in the therapy like they're they feel the most cared for when we come back and we say wow i really let you down and it's so important. I'm so glad you told me. And, and what was that like for you? I you can imagine you feel hurt and angry. And t- tell me more about that. And and so it's humbling, and yet it's uh, it's just a wonderful experience to be able to connect with someone in that way.
0: It's so it's such a powerful tool. And and I, I as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if if we could all do that with each other husbands and wives and you know people just relating if we could literally come at it in that way where none of us are trying to fix each other there you know we're we're literally just there observing the other person witnessing their experience just trying to understand instead of fix how transformative that would be in just relationships in general
2: Absolutely I kind of a lost start in some ways I not not many books get written about empathy. I think they, David's book Feeling Good Together is quite a moving one. It takes the time to go through what, what can be coming up in, in relationships and how empathy is the answer to those problems.
0: Yes. Well, now, so I want to I want to take a little different bend here because I want to talk to you about one of the things that's your specialty, which is different from what we've talked about on the show before, which is kind of delving in a little bit to the addictions and um, the habits work that you do with people. So give me a little background on that. And that that's that's an area where I am not an expert in drugs and alcohol. I don't do that in my practice. So I'm really curious if you can give us just a little bit of information, some background around that
2: yeah absolutely and it 's a very important topic as, as you know we 're kind of suffering an epidemic right now over seventy thousand people or so overdosed last year in two thousand and seventeen um, and right al- alcohol and other other addiction such a tremendous impact on the individual, their families our communities and so to be able to have an effective treatment for that tremendous importance um, and we we could talk about how to approach helping individuals with, with addiction. And interestingly enough, it's pretty much the same as helping someone with anxiety or, or depression in many ways. That you know, we would still want to have very accurate assessments of their feeling states and the quality of the relationship. In the therapy that we're doing so we still use testing and psychometric testing in every session Um, and empathy is is of tremendous importance working with anybody and then perhaps we could delve a little bit more into something called agenda setting the the a in team so t is the testing e is the empathy when when working on when helping someone who's suffering from addiction the the a is is tremendously important the, the agenda setting and so the first step if we're getting really good feedback in terms of our empathy, if that if that's going well, and maybe we've we've had some tears, we've we've walked a mile in that individual's shoes, and they've shared with us what it's like to suffer from from alcoholism or or what have you, um, and and they're feeling understood, then then it's it may be safe to offer something called an invitation step, and that's the very first part of. Of agenda setting, um, you don't want to do that too early in the therapy because it, it it can. We don't want to bypass just the connection and the empathy phase. But but once once we've done really good empathy, then we can offer an invitation step. And an invitation step has a couple of different components. The first is something we we refer to as the carrot, where we're talking about what they could potentially have, what's available to them. It's a message of hope. And we talk about how they could potentially feel um, more in control of their lives. We talk about how they could better help, how they could have a sense of accomplishment and a sense of meaning overcoming a challenge in in their life and how they they could be more productive or get, get, feel better emotionally, and, and that that's available to them. And we let them know we'd love to work with them on that. We like them, we admire them, and it would be a delight to offer them techniques and methods that could help them achieve that thing, those outcomes, that positive outcome. So that that's the carrot part of the invitation step. And and then next we would say, when working with a habit or an addiction, we want to take into account too that the main reason that they suffering from this habit or addiction is that there's something something pleasurable about it. There's some that, that when they drink they feel kind of buzzed and high, it relieves some anxiety. And so we want to take that into account. And we want to acknowledge that and we say and at the same time, I, I can think of reasons why you might not want to work with me on this this problem. Like it feels good. It's something that relieves some of your anxiety. um, It's something that's like a social social lubricant and in many ways it's working for you. And so we're respecting that already up front, we're respecting that there's going to be some resistance to change and, and acknowledging that and that's slightly different from what we would do in inviting someone to work on depression or anxiety. There's little, there's not much ambivalence about that. People don't want depression or anxiety. But when it comes to changing a habit or an addiction, there's a, there's this price to pay. People w- or would be giving up something that's somewhat pleasurable, and they would be enduring some deprivation. And so we'd want to understand going in that that might be something they wouldn't want to change. And put them in a position of convincing us that it's a change change that they want to make. And so the invitation step is the first, sort of like the doorway, the gateway between listening and empathy and going into more rolling up our sleeves, getting active, getting down to work in therapy.
0: Well, let me ask you this. When, When you do this approach with people with habits and addictions, do you find it as effective as when you do the team approach with people with depression or anxiety?
2: Oh, yes, definitely. Um, uh, the, the methods are quite effective. And the idea here is that as, as a therapist, I, and as, when I'm working with someone, my goal isn't to change them, but my goal is to deliver what they're wanting in the, in the therapy. And so I, I see it as seen tremendous success when I'm in that mindset. I, I think the failures are frequently occurring when I'm being disrespectful or Trying to get someone to change, and I, I think I know better than they do what's right and how to live their life. That, that never tends to work that well.
0: <laughs> so, so it's a very subtle and oftentimes humble art. It sounds like that you're enacting. Thank you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So I have with us in the studio Kristen, who has volunteered to talk with you, and so so to give the audience a little more practical application of. What this would look like, you know, it's 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 one thing to talk about things in theory or try to give a model, but I think this will be really interesting to kind of hear how this might flow.
2: Great, I'm so glad Kristen was able to join us. I'm excited to meet her and uh, looking forward to connecting with her. Hi. Hi, Kristen.
1: Hi, nice to see you.
2: Hey, thank you so much for joining us. That's such a kind experience. It as a as a gift that you would open your heart and. and...
1: Um, I'm happy to be here. But no, I, I am. I'm excited to uh, be here with Stephanie and to be able to talk to you about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not moving ahead in my life in a way I think I could because I, I feel like I sabotage myself. Ah. So um, I, that's ultimately what I think. I think that I, I procrastinate and I and ultimately it doesn't let me reach any goals.
2: And so so that, that does sound quite frustrating. <laughs> you said you're not moving ahead in life. The, the way that you think you could, and and it feels like you're sabotaging yourself. I, I wonder if I'm picking up not only frustration, but you might be feeling kind of annoyed or angry with yourself or guilty or bad, some remorseful feelings.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. I I, I have a range of all of those kinds of feelings when I think about things that I I believe I could be doing, the possibilities, because I think I have talent And, um, I just, I haven't gone there. I haven't done it. I don't put myself out there because I stop it before it gets to a place of being able to be put out there.
2: I'd love to hear about that. Kristen, what are, what are some areas where you're finding yourself putting things off and not, not living up to your, your potential?
1: So, um, so Matt, um, I'm an artist. I'll tell, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm I have a degree in psychology. I graduated from school a long time ago. I've been back to school for several things, um, all of which I stopped doing. <laughs> kind of goes right along with this kind of this topic. Um, I've been married, and I've been with my with my partner, with my spouse for seventeen years. And uh, I've tried all kinds of things. I'm musically inclined, but um, what I'm specifically talking about right now is painting, is art, and. Um, and i find myself just i just i feel like i've had i have a dream i have i have this vision of what it could be or what i could go do or where you know in more than just one area with my with my work but i i i literally will take my work stop it and the, at the almost near near finished put it to the side and start something completely new and yeah, it is it's disappointing, it's frustrating. It's it's something that causes me, you know, it when I when I reflect on it, when I can, when I can step back and be honest and see what I'm doing, I say what, you know, why am I doing this? What do I, you know, am I afraid? Am I, you know, what am I pushing away? What am I holding back from um, and I don't I just don't know how to get to a place where it's more it's simpler where I can have a sense of accomplishment.
2: Kristen, my, my heart's going out to you right right now because um, here, here you've got so much talent and, and you've accomplished so many things in your life. You've, you've got a degree in, in psychology and, and you're married. You've been married for 17 years and, and you have this passion for, for art and you're, you're a musical person and, and you know that you have talent and, and yet there's this pattern in your life where you'll be working on it and then you'll stop it right when you're at the moment of completion and 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 then move on to working on a different project and you end up feeling disappointed frustrated and just it sounds like confused like what's going on here Like, am I afraid or why, why am I doing this? What what am I pushing away from? And I wonder if I even hear a little like pessimism or despair or hopeless feelings in in that experience.
1: Um, You know, I, I do feel, I feel, I feel, I get pessimistic. I, I sometimes have walked away from my, my work because I, I, you know, why am I, I think, why, why am I doing this? I'm, it's sort of just a hobby. I, I haven't done anything with it um at but at the same time I I really think that I could and I've been asked by people to put things up in in businesses and and yet I shy away from it I I won't complete my work so that I can do that and have have a show or sell things or you know to make make any money with it it just it just sits um it just and it sort of sort of stacks up and re- reminds me of all the things I haven't finished so and 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 you know it, it makes me sad because I think that I could do something with it I just I, I have a vision I have a dream I think that for some you know for some reason there's a wall
2: and then if you wanted to we could examine that wall a little bit together and mm-hmm. possibly take a few chunks out of it um I'd love to hear about your vision and your dream you said you said you haven't made this into more than just a hobby so far even though people are asking people would love put 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 your art up and and there's some so there's something going on there that that feels like a wall but i wonder what's on the other side for you what what's your vision what's your dream
1: uh at one point i mean to be successful to be able to put my work out there in various ways and sell it um I, I at one point had an idea to have a nonprofit that would would help people in so, you know in in one way or another, and that's how actually I became beca- began painting. I had this had just had this dream. I, I literally had a dream uh, about <laughs> uh, about. It, it started actually with a with an elephant, and that was the beginning of it. Uh, where would it go? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I I don't. I can't even get past that idea. I can't see. I just. I I had this idea that I'd be able to sell my work, complete my work, and sell it. And and who knows? I I mean, I see people taking their taking their art and and then and then putting it all over in 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 ways other than you would think. Not just on a wall, but you know, but putting it out there on. Shirts or pants or calendars or coffee mugs or I mean, but but being able to make my own money to be able to be just have a sense of accomplishment, do something that was uh, that was mine that 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 is you know because my art is such is mine, it's, it's a part of me.
2: Kristen, I I loved that description of of your dream. Mm. You said it was literally a dream. It it started out as something. That just came to you in a vision, mm-hmm. and it it was something you wanted to do as a non nonprofit to help other people. And I'm so admiring your your generosity, your spirit there. And what you would hope for is to have real success with this, to be able to uh, sell your art, and maybe to see it not just on hanging on a wall somewhere, but hanging, uh, but but you know being worn. Or and, and you want to have a sense of ownership that. Your art is really yours, and, and you want to have that sense of being self-sufficient and accomplished and, and successful with, with your art. Am I understanding that mm. correctly? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, you put it much more <laughs> eloquently than I did. I, um, but yes, yes, exactly.
2: And then, would you want some help from me today? Would you want to do a little work? We could try out a little method here or there or something like
1: that absolutely I'm up for anything <laughs> willing, yeah. to tr- willing to try
2: here's something you might not know NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one of a kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now We have talk shows,
0: original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So, if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends.
2: Remember, that's www.noco.fm. Programming on NOCO FM is supported by its listeners and by Audible.com. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, Audible.com allows you to listen to an immense library of books for every taste on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, tablet, or computer. Audible.com has a special offer for listeners which includes a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial. Learn more and get your free audiobook now at noco.fm slash audible. And so... Um Maybe could you describe just a moment in time where you felt like you were held back, where that wall interrupted your progress forward and it prevented you from making that dream come true or you selling your art or you were successful in, in the way that you'd like to be?
1: I've never made it that far. I mean, I, I had one show and I was, I was so... I was very excited about it, but I was so anxious because I felt... Ex- Felt like I was naked. <laughs> it was it was wonderful, but it was, you know, it was very it, me right out there. And um, but no, I never made it any further than that.
2: And, and but maybe that's a little breakthrough just to understand that, that 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 you had one one show, but in that moment you felt very anxious and, and you felt like naked, exposed. Here's like this is your creation and it's up for. All to see, and, and I wonder if that that could be part part of what you're experiencing is that it's very vulnerable to put your creative process up for other people to examine and judge. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I
1: I think it's a part of of just that that social anxiety. It's a part of not being able to um, comfortably play the piano in front of somebody or, you know, getting in on this, you know, on the radio right now, it's, it's a part of that. Do you know what I mean? And?
2: Oh, definitely. i <laughs> that experience very well.
1: I mean, it, it, but it's a trend. It's not just with my art. It's a trend. Uh, but, it, but as far as something I could do in my life that I could change, that's, that's the spot. That's, I mean, it would help me with a lot of other things because this is right now where I am but yeah
2: and so well one one thought I had too is um rather than thinking about in the, uh, a moment in the past that you might want my help with what if we thought about a moment in the future that you might want help with something that you maybe you would be tempted to have another art show or to sell a piece of art but it something that would bring up that that wall, or you you can imagine oh my gosh, that would be a really hard step maybe I would feel anxious doing that or mm-hmm. something would hold me back from completing that piece of art mm-hmm. so,
1: thinking I'm not good enough do you, you know what I, do you know what I mean? thinking it's not going to be good enough maybe, is that what you're kind of asking me? But, I
2: think you just hit the nail on the head there <laughs>
1: Um, when I, when I think about, okay, so if I'm, if it's, if I'm was worried about taking it to another level, like the, like some pieces that if I had, had a contact to take them to, to make something happen, I that I don't, but what if they didn't like them? (laughs) I think that, or, you know, what if it's not good enough? What if, or having a show? What if that was the fear, I guess, when I was standing there show was, People are going to see me standing here with this and know it was me.
2: Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying right now is just tremendously important, Kristen, in our understanding that wall. And and I wonder if we could do something together. Would would you be willing to write down on a sheet of paper, just any old sheet of paper, those two thoughts? The first thought is, I'm not good enough. The second thought is, they won't like it they won't like my art and and when you're imagining that when you're imagining like being in a situation where you might be displaying your art or or selling it you you could imagine telling yourself oh i'm I'm not good enough or they're not going to like it what feelings are coming up for you
1: i mean it feels rejecting it feels hurtful it feels personal because it is because my art is personal
2: yeah so there's that, that experience and i feeling so close to you right now I'm so grateful to you for sharing sharing this experience because i i don't think you're alone i think you're reaching out to a lot of people and helping a lot of people in your vulnerability right now and you said it just feels like rejection in that moment like if you imagine being so vulnerable and showing someone some art that you work, work so hard on and you know put your your blood, sweat and tears into and if they were to dismiss it and say, Oh, that's not good enough or I don't like that, that it's personal. That it would feel it would really hurt. Am I getting that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it would it's sort of like them saying you're not good enough. Um, dismissing me,
2: you would feel dismissed, and if someone were to treat you that way, what what would that say about them?
1: <laughs> that they were kind of a creep, but
2: uh, that they're judgmental or rejecting, critical.
1: Mm-hmm. I've just I've just not put myself in that position. I mean, yeah. as an adult and in a professional way like that.
2: Yeah, it's so it's so scary. It's so vulnerable. If you just for a moment, could we just do a like a thought experiment? If say say you were to work really hard on a piece of art, be willing to to show it at at you know t- take it to a big show, and 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 someone were to walk up to it and look at you and look at it, and they were really rejecting and critical, and how, how would you feel towards them?
1: I think if. <laughs> So it's funny cuz I can sort of separate this out. If 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 it was standing there and it was one person walks by, I mean, I could handle one person just coming and walking by maybe, you know, not everybody's going to like everything. You know, I don't like every piece of art. I think if I were to and and that's okay. That's understandable. You know, that's that's great. I love that 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 we have that ability to have all different likes and things like that um i think it's different um just having that vulnerability that feeling of being exposed and being out there putting myself out there which what which is that doesn't make a lot of sense when i say that in the same space uh
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's a. I think so. I guess what I was getting at was I wondered if could there be some some hidden anger here? Like if you're vulnerable and you open up and you have the courage to, to display your art, to share it with the world, and someone comes along and they're critical of it, and they're like, oh, that's no good or that's not good enough. I think I would feel angry with that person. <laughs> I'd be kind of pissed off at them.
1: It's It's hard for me to say because I would say that people have the ability to be have their their own likes or not or dislikes but yeah I mean I would I think I would be angry if it was somebody who I I mean I would I just want somebody to approve of it I guess this isn't it's a curious position to be in
2: on the one hand respecting that we all have different opinions Mm -hmm. of what's what's good or bad art and if one one person doesn't like it that's that's totally fine that's their opinion Mm -hmm. on the other hand would mean a lot Mm -hmm. someone approve of that see the beauty in it Mm
1: -hmm. yeah exactly that's exactly what i'm saying
2: i understand um how how are you feeling right now
1: i feel better actually just talking about this um i really want to put put my stuff out there i don't really know what steps to take i watch myself do this all the time
2: and and you said you feel frustrated and, and anxious and getting a sense of kind of insecure or imagining that you would be rejected
1: yeah so yeah and that makes me sad because there's no validity to it's this is all sort of uh, these stories i'm telling myself there's nothing been you know (laughs) actualized here it's 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 me sort of having this idea that that's what, what could happen or might happen or and what if it did happen so i just don't let any of it happen
2: it's very wise of you to see that and it's frustrating, too, right? Yeah. Um, one, one other thought I've had is, well, I could, I could introduce you to a thought experiment, which is, say, say all of this could change today. And your feelings of anxiety or worry or insecurity, like the idea that I'm not good enough, people wouldn't like my art. What if those were to vanish? You would no longer feel anxious or scared, and then there would be nothing, no wall. There would be nothing pushing back against your dream and it was all as easy as pressing a button
1: that would, that, be, that would be pretty fantastic <laughs> would know. it would it be? Yeah. I, yeah i mean i have a lot of work to finish <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah there'd be a lot to do right
1: <laughs> yeah i gotta go home and we'll do some work uh yeah
2: well believe it or not that's available to you that kind of transformation can, can happen i'm 100 percent sure of that and and also I I see some good reasons not to make a single change about the person you are because I see these feelings that you're having and these thoughts that you're having about your art as as your very best qualities, reflections of your very best qualities. Someone who tells themselves, oh, I'm not good enough. Do you see what I'm seeing in you when you tell yourself that? What's good about you?
1: I think there's a lot of things that are good about me.
2: Does it reflect your humility? How down to earth you are, and your desire, yes, and your high standards.
1: That might be a uh, my, my standards might be too high, but yeah.
2: <laughs> but like you want to do something really meaningful,
1: something mm-hmm.
2: I do. awesome.
1: I do. Right? I do. I do, and that that was what started this whole. It was this
2: to contribute to, to give something back to the world. Is that right?
1: It's exactly right.
2: And then the thought they wouldn't like my art, I see that as sh- showing some wonderful sides, of, dimensions of your personality as well. You, you see that too? Like what? Well, you have a sense of wanting to give. I, I think it's still the giving back, the awareness that everyone has different tastes and, and you're wanting to live up to their expectations you're wanting to deliver something that they look at and they're like wow that's mind blowing you really want to change change their world in a positive way
1: yeah yeah i have a, i have a story to tell though i mean i have something inside that's coming from me and i i just you know that that's really what it is connect yeah it is it's, it's a way to connect it's a way to do something good um bigger
2: and could there even be another aspect of this, where there's some awareness that, gosh, people can be kind of judgmental. People can be a little bit cruel, and not wanting to get get hurt. That there could be wisdom in that, not wanting to be, be vulnerable with people who who can be judgmental.
1: That's Certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's self-preservation instead of just procrastination. <laughs>
2: Yeah, self-preservation. Is just, I think I think that's a healthy instinct for anyone, right? Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We need to be. I like that. I like that spin.
2: What are you seeing here? Are you seeing that that in, in the midst of this anxiety, is there's caring, mm-hmm. right? Mhm. And in this insecurity, there's a desire to improve, and to be the best you can be. Mhm. We we could look look more deeply at that too. But I'm, I'm curious, considering the healthy aspects of these thoughts and these feelings, w- would you really want to press that button? Would, maybe a dial would be more appropriate.
0: Sure, sure. To have. feel like
2: a little less anxious, maybe, or a little little less in- insecure, or what have you.
1: Sure. To feel a little less insecure and to have a little bit more guidance in the maybe knowing where to go, what to do with you know with what i've got yep. so when i, I mean, look at this this way and feel like this is something caring and um, you know good and hopeful it's it's a little bit less anxiety provoking doesn't feel scary
2: yeah just to maybe lower the wall a little bit yeah to be aware yeah. of it and realize so oh, this is there's a real challenge I want to do my very best job, Mm -hmm. but I also want to make make my dreams come true, to be able to clear that. Right. Would you want to try one other method with me Mm -hmm. tonight, see if we can make that desire a reality? Would it be all right if I introduced you to a role-play technique? Sure, and so, in this role play, I would be your twin, like a carbon copy clone, if you're someone from a parallel universe who's, who's got the same experience as you, all the same experiences and the same thoughts and feelings as you, and I could use a little help. There are a couple dimensions of help I could use. Would you be willing to help me out?: Yes. So you, we know each other really well, obviously, but, I, you know, I've, I've been feeling kind of frustrated and stuck. I've had this passion, this dream to produce and su- be successful as an artist, but I always get held back. I, I feel anxious sometimes. And like one one time I had a show, I was very anxious and um, like I felt naked and exposed when I was trying to live my dream there. And, and, uh, and then... I realized that there's something going on where I tell myself this thought. I'm not good enough. I wondered, could you help help me out with this thought a little bit? Is there any any reason I need to tell myself this? Is there something useful about it that might be eluding my awareness at this point
1: if you came to me and you you're asking me why am i telling myself is there is this anything helpful that you're telling yourself you're not good enough i will look at you
2: why should i tell myself that it it feels awful
1: yeah i would i look at you and say why why would you say that to yourself what good is that why don't you go out there and and just just do it that's the kind of thing i would tell my my a friend or my sister or my you know
2: really you you would tell me that
1: Say like, do it, do it, go for it. Yeah. Why? You, I mean, I would say you are good enough. Why are you telling yourself you're not good enough?
2: Are you being real with me? You think I'm good enough? I should do it.
1: What have you got to lose?
2: That's a good point. Well, what, what do you think? Would what, what, what if people didn't like it?
1: How will you ever know if they do or if they don't if you don't try?
2: That's a really good point. Internalize that for yourself that, that in fact you are good enough. Just do it.
1: When I said to you, how will you ever know? if they do or they don't like it if you don't try that was it was like <laughs> right between the eyes <laughs> i went oh, oh really? my gosh well yeah because i mean if if i just start can keep collecting three paintings that are 80 percent, 90 percent finished in my in my studio that they're just gonna they're just gonna collect dust in my studio they're never going to go anywhere and i'm never gonna know anything about any of it i will never know if i don't try
2: what what is that what are you feeling now
1: like I waited too long <laughs> a little regret i mean certainly i mean i've had regret over this situation in other it, the thought of that that in that simple form of you don't know if you don't try makes it so makes the anxiety feel minimized it makes it feel like what do i have to lose
2: so in a, in that moment when you said that you you felt like you you really don't have anything to lose
1: right absolutely i don't i don't have anything to lose I might not be van Gogh, but you know, I think it's pretty good. I think it's gonna be okay.
2: Hey, good. Who who won there?
1: I think I won, but he... I, I, I keep going back to if I don't try I won't know.
2: That that's a helpful thought. That's a helpful idea for you. It really it cuts through that idea of I'm not good enough or people won't like it. It's sort of like, well, how do I know? What if I am good enough?
1: And for the people that don't like it, they, not everybody has to like it. It's okay because I already know people like it. There's been people that have asked me to put my work in their business. And people have asked me if I'm going to have a show. And when I had my first show there the one piece the piece that came from the dream i mean people said i should make shirts with it or you know put it on it was very popular but i just hid i completely went and put my head in the sand took my 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 painting home, and I did nothing with it. It's up on my wall in the living room. But It was wonderful to meet you, and I am so appreciative. I'm truly grateful that we got to spend this time together. I think that you've helped me to see something that I felt like was a concrete wall right in front of me sort of turn to butterflies or something i don't know something that's not nearly as scary and more pliable or movable or fluid maybe
2: you really do think like an artist (laughs) it's a beautiful image
1: (laughs) thank you thank you for your time i appreciate it
2: Kristen, thank you i feel you, you gave us a wonderful gift tonight my guess is that many people will hear this and be motivated and more of a sense of hope in their lives too
1: only hope so Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: That was wonderful to just witness that and be such a close witness to that process.
2: That was just a delight for me. wish Kristen were in the Bay Area and she could pop in for a session and we could do a little more work on that. But it was very meaningful to get a chance to interact with her. What a wonderful person she is.
0: She is a dear person. Wonderful to see, you know, the, the number one, just kind of the immediate rapport that you could build Matt I mean that was just a beautiful thing to witness there there was like this immediate connection and you dropped into this place where you were just very real as a therapist instead of being sometimes I think therapists can be very clinical
2: and sometimes fall into that too and I feel so embarrassed when I do kind of get the white coat in front of me or something we can come I'm, across I'm, really
0: stale and I'm, clinical yeah and and instead of being stale and clinical you were warm and genuine and
2: oh thank you Stephanie you- you're so warm yourself you I think you made made helped me feel comfortable here despite my social anxiety and and Kristen's personality was just so wonderful I really took an immediate liking to her and so it was easy to connect with her and to relate to her and and to understand where she was hurting Just very meaningful work thanks thanks for all you do to make this work come to life
0: and that's what we can all connect with, right? Because life is messy, we're imperfect. And oftentimes when we're sitting in our therapist chair, we can, we can seem to our clients that we already have this, you know, somehow we have all the answers or we know how to do it all right. And that's why I, I also think some of the beauty to cognitive behavioral therapy or this this team approach as well is is the humanity and, and the humbleness that we're all in this together. And when we can own that, then we can all con we, we can connect together in, in that humanness and knowing, yeah, you know what, I, I feel that too. And and like when you were sharing with Kristen, yeah, I know how you feel. I, I get that social anxiety too. And I have those feelings too.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I think that's, uh, those are the I feel statements in patient and in team therapy, but it's not just a method. It's, it's a, it's a reality of, of connecting with someone to be vulnerable and open with them and share what's really in our hearts with someone is so to be real in the room and let go of any expert role or in the person there with me that really they have the answers, not me.
0: So we're back tonight for a special segment with Kristen I wanted to do a follow-up to see what the impact of her time with Matthew was like and what she had gotten out of the session, what had happened since her time with him. And so here we are, three weeks later. And Kristen, thanks for joining me in the studio.
1: Thanks for having me, Stephanie.
0: We listened to what happened during that time together. I remember talking with you... Afterwards, I think I spoke with you maybe the next day, and oftentimes, sometimes we're on a high right after something like that happens and we've had a breakthrough. It really felt like you'd had some kind of breakthrough. What What was your experience like?
1: You know, I felt, I really did feel like there was a significant change when I, after I spoke with Matthew, I thought that it was powerful. Um, the, the words that he got me to say to him were, if I don't try, I'll never know or something to that effect. And that was, I just kept saying that to myself, you know, how simple is It's so simple. If I don't try, I'll never know. And I can't really be afraid of that because not knowing if I'm, if I'm good or if I'm not good or if I'll succeed at it. At at my art, you know it it, That can't keep me from doing something that I love and it has been Um, Since I since the show ended I I've been painting like a fiend. It's been wonderful. I've been in my studio every day I don't think there's been one day. I've missed I have finished pieces I sent a couple pieces that as gifts that I had started and Put aside and you know to delay myself on purpose, like I do to start something else. Um, that was great. I got some things done, but I've been painting a lot. I did. I actually even contacted our local um, small business development association. I I got some information from them on how to go forward. I'm a little bogged down in the processes of what to do next, but. I've gotten some information from other artists on what they've done. And in the meantime, I'm really just painting. So I'm not sitting in that fear place uh, like I was.
0: That is exciting. That is so wonderful. I mean, that's what my sense was that you really broke through. And and what it was breaking through was, it was just a thought, but those thoughts are so powerful that it had become literally the lens that you saw yourself and your art through.
1: And it wasn't just a lens, it was a weight. It was holding me back and it was, it was, I would start a piece and put it aside just as an excuse, not, you know, not to finish it, start something else. And so then I didn't ever have anything finished. Oh, I can't, I can't show you that it's not finished. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so I saw myself do that lens as a certain thing, you know, I'm not good enough. Maybe they won't, nobody will like it, but it was also a weight that pulled me down.
0: And so it sounds like that weight now has been lifted and you're able to plug in in, in this new way where you're just like, I'm going to do it. And you're you're painting and you're exploring other options and you're sharing your art, completing pieces.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I'm doing. I, I've been... This summer I've been going to art festivals, which I love to do anyway. Yesterday I was at an art festival in Estes Park. I spoke with an artist. Uh, she's actually... Uh, From Fort Collins, and uh, she gave me some tips. I'm going to contact her. But I was so excited after I spoke to her that I went to to one to one of our local art stores, Jerry's, and I bought the same brush that she had, just so I could try it out at home. And then I and I went home and I was using that brush. You know, I've got a a new just it's a life force. You know, I'm not, that fear is really not there right now. I hope it doesn't come back. That's my big hope. I'm uh, just going to paint. I'm going to tr- keep trying to find the next path. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to get my art out there somehow. I'm not sure the road, you know, the avenue that's going to take. I don't know what that looks like. Right. But, you know, none of the work that I've done or am doing now, I, th- I don't think any of it's, you know, for naught. I think it's all a process. I think it's all going to be usable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's really amazing. I mean, he got me just to say, you know, if I don't know, I'll never, you know, if I don't try, I'll never know.
0: Right. Right. And and so that pushed you into that place. It sounds like, or or helped you break through to that place where then you're like, I have to paint. This is what's inside of me. Yeah. I am gonna do this. Yeah. And 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 we don't always have to know what the end point is gonna look like. Yeah. You know, it's that whole thing of trusting that life's gonna to continue to unfold for you. It's gonna to continue to show up for you. Yes. So you can now start trusting, it sounds like, is as, as long as I'm trying, I'm putting it out there, I'm going to art shows or festivals and I'm doing these different things and trying different techniques. I can trust that this is going to manifest
1: Absolutely. in my life. Absolutely. And, and just envisioning that, you know, the thing is, is that lo- loving what I do, I've always loved art. I've always loved to paint or, or you know, I do a lot of different forms of art, even music, but being held back by fear, that makes it sort of dark. It makes it sort of, you know, it, ta- it takes it to a different level that's not where I want to be. Um, trusting that it's all for something and i don't know anything we never know what tomorrow brings none of us do you know if if i had a if i had a crystal ball here that told me what the, what tomorrow brings you know you know maybe i don't want to know right <laughs> but um you know just trusting that it's all going to be be okay but not you know why should it why should it hold me back and that fear does nothing but make me feel badly it you know there's nothing positive that comes from it so, it, yeah, it's been really, it's really been good. I'm so happy that I got to do this and I got to speak with with Dr. May, and uh, it's just, it's really been a, a great experience. I really didn't know what was going to happen, so yeah. thank you very much. Well, thank thank
0: you for being for being willing to be on the show and and to be vulnerable, be vulnerable with with the audience and and with Dr. May. Not having known him, of course. Um, And, you know, the thing that I I wish people could see your face because you're so illuminated and it's so wonderful hearing you and and, and seeing you like this. I think the the wonderful piece as well is this whole transformation happened in like half an hour. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you, you know, and I know that he's put it out there and is open to doing some more work um, with you. And so it's like, imagine an hour. Imagine you know because this team therapy it, it sounds like it is just it is so amazingly effective at breaking through people's long-standing limiting beliefs you know their cognitive distortions and helping them to live the kind of life they they really want and and that's you know I'm hearing that with you and seeing that with you and that's really inspiring
1: no question um i i can't imagine what it would be like to work with him it would be it would be great and i might take him up on those uh, you know, trying to spend another hour and it did happen in in, in about a half an hour. And, and thank you. I I don't have any other way to be than just real and just who I am. So sometimes I get very nervous. Sometimes I get very emotional. Um, but, you know, if I get excited, I get excited. And that's why, you know, that's why that fear, that fear was really real. So when when I felt it just kind of dissipate, that felt freeing to me. It felt like a oh weight, you know, like a backpack full of rocks gone for me. Yeah. Um, and I could really kind of sit down in my studio and and get to work and enjoy it. So, um, you know, therapy is an amazing tool. People, I, I, I love the, you know, the, the value of therapy for multiple things for all kinds of different purposes. And this is one that I did not even think of. So this was a big gift.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Kristen. And, and you, you have been a gift to all of us. Well, thank Thank you. you so much. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain and podcast episodes are released the same day. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis Please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by Noco Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of Noco FM.